This is Recovery Support with Kevin Bergen, brought to you by CCRG, the Center for Counseling, Recovery, and Growth. Lee Jampolsky is a recovering addict. He also happens to be a licensed psychologist with a Ph.D. and a few books to his name. Several years ago, I ran across his book, Healing the Addictive Mind, and I found his candor and openness refreshing. Even more, I found his approach to be very healing. See, I've long held that the purpose of addiction is to medicate some feeling or to escape the harshness of some belief or idea. Oftentimes, that belief is some variation on the theme, I'm no good. If you look at troubled children, you often see belief systems about themselves that paint a dismal picture. They believe there's something deeply and inherently wrong about them. Whatever we think becomes our reality. Some carry this right on the surface, but many hold it tightly inside, even unconsciously. Let's jump right into chapter 7 of Healing the Addictive Mind by Lee Jampolsky, Ph.D. When we're caught in addiction, it's impossible to experience love. Compulsivity and peace of mind are mutually exclusive. It's my belief that much addictive behavior stems from trying to cover up or run away from deep feelings of aloneness. Rather than feel our aloneness, we become focused on controlling, getting, judging, defending, and attacking as ways of looking away from our loneliness. Our addictions slowly become the walls behind which we hide. Eventually, our walls become so high that instead of simply hiding, we become prisoners of our own making. The guards in the prison of addiction are our egos, while the bars of the cells are forged with our irrational beliefs. We sit upon cold gray cement in our dark and isolated cells, thinking that there is no escape. In order to become free of our addictions, we must first identify the irrational beliefs that keep us stuck where we are. Irrational Beliefs of the Addicted Mind Number 1. My self-esteem is dependent upon my being approved by everybody on this planet. Unanimous approval is highly unlikely, and this belief results in another one of the ego's vicious cycles. This belief is threefold. A. I try to please other people so I'll feel good about myself. B. I eventually fail because I can't always please everybody. Failure brings on feelings of guilt, which lead to feelings of low self-worth. And C. To compensate for feelings of low self-worth, I become even more of a people-pleaser. In love-based thinking... I realize that my self-esteem is not dependent upon pleasing others. Approval-seeking takes me away from who I am. 
Irrational belief number two. If I'm to consider myself worthwhile, I must excel, win, achieve, and display glowing competence at all times, in all places, and at all costs. How brittle self-esteem can become. Is it any surprise that such a belief leads to addiction? This belief is based on a fear that if you let down your guard for even a second, you might slip and be found out to be incompetent. The fear of being found out as a fake is prevalent in our society. Some years ago, a study revealed that a large number of individuals in high-level, respected positions felt deep down that they were not qualified. These individuals felt that one day they might be discovered as frauds. The result of this belief is that the individual runs on a treadmill, oftentimes with high achievements, yet his or her inner experience is one of feeling deeply inadequate, not enough. Love-based thinking reflects the truth about who you are. My self-worth is not based solely upon what I do or achieve. I am enough right now. Number three, all things that go wrong in my life are caused by other people. These people need to be blamed and punished. To avoid our underlying feelings of inadequacy, we may blame other people. Sometimes we may feel so out of control in our life that we irrationally think that blaming and punishing another person will somehow give us back a little bit of control. Fear is at the core of this belief. While we run from fear, we cannot ever look at the source of the real problem, our addictive mind. Love-based thinking recognizes that healing must begin in my own mind. Irrational belief number four. If external situations in my life are not exactly how I want them to be, I must feel tense, worry endlessly, and expect a disaster to occur within seconds. The ego has a surefire way to keep us from looking at ourself and our belief system. The ego encourages us to become totally preoccupied with the chaos around us. It may be a new thought for you that the situation is not the determiner of your experience. You may have become used to feeling happy when things are going your way and unhappy when you don't like the situation. We can behave like a robot programmed with responses to all situations. We can become so caught up in trying to make the outside world to our liking that we forget about our inner life. When we compulsively try to control external circumstances, we guarantee ourselves a life void of lasting peace. The one thing about trying to control situations is that the job is never quite done you'll be able to find something else that needs to be controlled. Conversely, as you become more comfortable with who you are, the need to control things will diminish. 
1982, I spent time with Mother Teresa at her missions of charity in India. Through her, I saw firsthand that it's possible to experience peace of mind even when surrounded by hunger and death. I believe that she saw these abandoned children and dying people as being in need of love and respect. Her focus was on providing them with this, while asking for nothing in return. Being with her was probably the first time that I truly believed that peace of mind is a choice, that every person is capable of unconditional love, and that happiness is not dependent upon the external situation. I'm not suggesting that we should not care about what is happening in the world. I'm stating that where we must begin is where we must also end, and that is with examining our own mind. In order to live a peaceful life, you must recognize that we have control over our own feelings and reactions. Love-based thinking states, If I want to change my life, I must first change my mind. What I experience is based upon my thoughts and beliefs. Big thanks to those who left a five-star review of the show in the iTunes store. Your comments go far in helping to spread this material to others in recovery who need the support. Please go to the iTunes store and search for Recovery Support and leave a five-star review. That'll push the show up in ratings and help to reach that isolated person who's not sure how to get out of their addiction. Irrational belief number five. If something negative happened in the past, I should be very concerned about it repeating itself in the future. It'll help if I keep dwelling on the possibility of it occurring. There is nothing written in stone that states that the past will repeat itself, yet many people run their lives on this premise. This belief leads to a lack of trust, a guardedness. The irony is that simply dwelling on a possible negative outcome can cause it to occur. If we put enough energy into thinking something will happen, good or bad, it just might. And when we see our negative prediction come true, we increase our commitment to worrying about the next catastrophe. This, in turn, creates another one of the ego's vicious cycles. We start with a negative new experience, or proof that your last prediction was correct. And that leads to a negative past experience, which leads to worrying and predicting that the past will repeat itself, and then that leads to a negative new experience, which is proof your prediction was correct, and it just keeps going around in that circle. I lived in Mexico for a year and saw the effects of this belief demonstrated in an ironic way. Montezuma's revenge is a problem with travel south of the border. It was my observation that people visiting Mexico approach this fact in one of three ways. One, they ignore it, eating and drinking everything in sight. Two, they realized that they were not immune to bacteria. They enjoyed their food, ate lightly at first, and avoided obviously unsanitary situations. Beyond that, 
they didn't preoccupy themselves with the situation. Or three, they worried constantly about it, questioning everyone about the food until the proprietor wanted to throw it at them. They constantly thought about how awful they felt the last time they had had diarrhea. What I observed in my casual study was that members of group 1 and group 3 became ill with more or less the same frequency. Those in group 2 were the least likely to be counting the tiles in the bathroom. The point of the story is that excessive worry does more harm than good. Because of the power of thought, we attract that upon which we dwell. This power can be used to bring either positive or negative experiences into our life. The choice is ours. In letting go of worry, we begin to experience joy. When we're preoccupied with the future and worrying about the past, we're likely miserable. As human beings, we may have a powerful brain, yet we may have problems with three simple facts about time. The past is the past. The future is in the future. The present is present. Number six. If I avoid painful issues and stuff down my emotions, I'll be safe and happy. Despite popular opinion, repression and procrastination are not the keys to happiness. Through our addictions, we've attempted to push down our feelings of anger, unworthiness, and shame. When we stop our addictive behavior by confronting the addictive thought system, repressed pain will surface. It's by allowing this process to unfold, usually with the help of a friend, a therapist, or a sponsor in a 12-step program, and working through our pain that we once again become feeling human beings. Procrastination is an indirect way of saying, I don't trust myself, my intuition, or God. Our pain makes us afraid to move in any direction. We become stuck. We procrastinate about changing the situation. The more afraid we become, the more we procrastinate. As we procrastinate, we adopt addictive ways of being in order to further avoid our feelings and create more reasons to not like ourselves. In contrast with repression and procrastination, Love-based thinking states, I trust in the unfolding of my life. Love has never abandoned me. I need but open my heart to it. Number seven. I am weak and need to be dependent on somebody or something else. You might have a feeling of being weak incomplete, or somehow insufficient. Even being alone for a few hours might make you uncomfortable. You might find that drugs or other addictions give you temporary relief, yet deep down the feeling of incompleteness persists. When I was a kid, my family enjoyed doing jigsaw puzzles. Sometimes we couldn't find a piece. After we'd search for a certain piece for hours, 
would joke about the puzzle being sent from the manufacturer with the piece missing. Each time this happened, I became convinced that someone at the factory had a cruel sense of humor and had withheld one or two pieces. Eventually, the missing piece would always turn up. None of us came into this world with a piece missing. It may take patience and perseverance to remember our wholeness, but it's there. This isn't to say that we don't need intimacy with other people, but being in a dependent position is not intimacy, it's dependence, and is based on a belief that we lack something in ourselves. When we become aware of our wholeness, we can then begin to truly share ourselves with others. We can allow ourselves to be nurtured. Share who you are with another. Don't look to another to make up for a lack in yourself. Irrational belief number eight. I should be very involved in and upset about other people's problems. When people learn that I'm a psychologist, their first response is often, don't you get depressed listening to problems all day? I suggest to them that it's possible to be of service to others without taking on their problems and their pain. Each of us can be compassionate without taking on suffering. You might think that being helpful means being overly identified with another person's pain. Though it's important to acknowledge the person's pain, it's equally important to see that person's health as well. If I see the underlying health and wholeness in a person, I feel whole. If I identify only with the pain, I feel only pain. Many of us may jump into solving other people's problems as a way of giving ourselves some sort of self-esteem. This is just another form of addiction. We think that doing something or problem-solving will bring us happiness. When we stop being a super problem solver, we'll probably feel a shame and a low self-esteem that the addiction has covered up. It's through sharing this pain with another human being that we can move toward healing ourselves. From this healed, whole place, we can truly be of service. Recognize that Fixing you will not fix me. Recovery support with Kevin Bergen is made possible by CCRG, the Center for Counseling, Recovery, and Growth. Visit us at centercrg.com and by Guy Stuff at CCRG, where counseling and coaching, including online video coaching, is made comfortable for men. GuyStuffCenter.com Irrational belief number nine. There is one way to view the world. If you grew up in an alcoholic or a dysfunctional family, you might think this way. To compensate for the craziness and inconsistency that you witnessed, you might defend yourself by seeing the world as divided into good and bad, right and wrong. This belief locks out intimacy. The subtext of this belief is, my safety lies in believing that everything is black and white, that there are no gray areas in life. 
recognizing that this rigid view of the world lacks truth, brings underlying anxiety to the surface. This is because when you give up rigidity, you must confront life's ambiguities. We can become addicted to a certain way of viewing ourselves in the world, despite the fact that such a view keeps us from experiencing closeness with another. When you find yourself lacking the closeness to another that you want, remember, there is another way to look at this. The world is not always clearly black and white. If I'm attached to being right, I'm shutting the door on learning the lessons of love. Lastly, irrational belief number 10. I am limited in what I can do and the happiness that I can experience. There's an entire vocabulary devoted to the belief that people are limited. I refer to these words as love blockers because they inhibit our ability to experience love and creativity by reinforcing the addictive thought system. Love blockers are the words that can be seen as the mortar that holds the bricks of the addictive thought system together. If we remove the mortar, love blockers, the bricks, addictive beliefs, are more easily removed. Here's some examples of love blockers. I doubt if I could succeed. I know that I should do it, but it's too difficult. Besides, nobody else seems to be able to succeed. It's impossible. And I've tried it before. I can't do it. If only things were different. I ought to do it, but I have this limitation that prevents me. In addition to the italicized love blockers already mentioned, doubt, should, but, difficult, impossible, tried, can't, if only, limitation, many other words become love blockers when used for categorizing, evaluating, or judging yourself or others. Most people use at least a few love blockers, and everyone has his or her personal favorites. Yet with conscious effort, we can eliminate these words from our vocabulary. In doing so, we'll make giant strides toward uprooting the addictive belief system. Richard Bach, in his book Illusions, says one sentence that summarizes love blockers. Quote, Argue for your limitations, and sure enough, they're yours. Here's a slightly abbreviated form of the peaceful alternative of the love-based thought system. You might find it helpful to refer to this list in times of conflict to see your choices. Sane beliefs of love-based thinking. Number one, my self-esteem is not based upon pleasing others. Two, I am complete, full of love, and worthwhile this very instant. 3. Healing my life begins in my own mind. 
4. If I desire change, I must first look to my mind. 5. The past is past. The future is in the future. The present is present. 6. Opening my heart to love makes my life full and happy. 7. Through sharing who I am with others, I come to know who I am. I lack nothing to begin this today. Number 8. Fixing you will not fix me. 9. Love and forgiveness will show me the way to serenity. And 10. I am limitless. Remember my description of troubled children at the beginning of today's episode? Did you see yourself? To what degree do you talk yourself down, even today as an adult? How applicable can Dr. John Polsky's prescription be for you? It starts with action. Simple mental action when you choose to replace your long-practiced irrational beliefs about yourself with refreshing, sane thoughts that come from a love-based perspective. Love. Self-love. What a concept. <laughs>